0: A little girl sat in her room. Her messy brown hair was put into little pigtails as her hazel eyes stared at the door. She hugged her stuffed giraffe close to her little body and listened closely to the loud yells of her mother and father. Never should have had any damned kids, screamed a loud deep voice. All they do is make messes, complain, and draw on the walls, He was interrupted by the shrill, angry yell of the girl's mother. They're children. They don't know any better. Well, screw me, Mary Beth. I don't want to hear your bullshit excuses. I've had just about enough of them. What do you plan to do about it? The girl heard loud footsteps coming towards her room, and she hugged her giraffe closer. The door opened violently, and in the doorway stood her large, infuriated, overweight father. In one of his meaty hands, he held a large textbook. David, stop it! screamed her mother the father ignored his wife's pleading cries he grabbed the little girl harshly by the collar and she screamed and kicked trembling in fear the girl's father held up the textbook this is for drawing on my fucking walls you little bitch years later the little girl known as Natalie was now nine years old going through her normal stages of growing up in puberty she was naturally a little chubby Like usual, she sat in her room watching TV. Her dad was ranting on about some economic crap that she really could give less of a shit about. She munched on some popcorn. She was drawing a picture. There was a little bit of gore in it, but strangely, she liked drawing. It gave her a weird satisfaction. Other than that, multitasking was no problem for her. It became apparent to her at such a young age, after having to do so much hard work and labor, She was able to do so many things at once. Drawing ended up being her talent and passion. It was her way from escaping from reality. Whenever something bad would rear its ugly head and peer in there, she was simply bored. 3 a.m. School night. Her mother was going to kill her. The little girl, known as Natalie, was now 16. She was productive in high school, close to the honor roll. For once, she felt calm and happy. Though, like the usual, she would occasionally become a hermit in her room, hiding away from her dad and mom, I still liked to constantly yell and scream about the economy, money, and politics, and all the other bullshit that she was flat-out tired of hearing. Her eyes started to feel heavy, She had an assignment to work on, but that was no longer important to her. All that was on her mind was getting closer and closer to sleep. She closed her laptop, and after her eyes adjusted to the darkness slightly, she saw her old, worn-down, stuffed giraffe in the corner. She stared at it in complete, utter silence. Memories passed through her mind, and she felt tears come to her eyes. But quickly, she blinked them back. No more breaking. She thought to herself, but she continued to stare at the object. The fuck are you looking at? She stared at the stuffed animal. It simply stared back with a soft, black, bleaky eye. She shook her head and stood up. She looked down sadly at the little toy animal and gently picked it up in her arms. She cradled it spoke softly to it. Sorry, I shouldn't have yelled at you. Tears ran down her face. She patted its rough, soft fur, softly she lay down on her bed, slowly went to sleep. She, had, she was woken by the angry growls of her mother, exhausted. She slowly opened one of her eyes. I can't believe I forgot to take that goddamn laptop away. You were on it all night, weren't you? Natalie sighed and pressured her face deeper into the pillow, hugging her giraffe closer. Her mother sighed and walked out. She took a shower, brushed her teeth, and ate some breakfast, and got dressed. She put on a gray and blue hoodie with fur inside its hood. It wasn't her favorite, but it was the only one she could wear to school due to the others being in the wash. She put on black jeans and something-fashionable boots. Finally, she went downstairs to get driven to school. She hopped in the car and her mom sped off. However, on the way there... Due to a lack of sleep, she slowly put her head against the window in the car and began to drift off. Her dreams were more accurately nightmares. Consisted of her physical, mental, emotional, and verbal abuse as a child, she started twitching and cringing in her sleep, but her mother took no notice. Her mother never took notice. Suddenly, she was jolted awake by the sound of her mother's voice. We're here, her mother said with an annoyance in her voice, most likely from catching Natalie napping again. She looked at the large sign of the school, which read Walkerville College of Institute for the Creative Fine Arts. She sighed tirely and stepped out, putting her backpack on her shoulder. See you later, Mom. She walked into the school and chatted with a couple of friends until she went up to her locker on the third floor. She grabbed her books, and before the five minutes of time was over, she ran to class. Her English teacher annoyingly put a hand on Natalie's desk. And where's your assignment, Miss Owlett?" Natalie swallowed. I, uh, forgot it at home. Sorry, Miss H. Your time is up, Miss Owlett. Don't disappoint me. Natalie seemed puzzled by the thought for a moment. She didn't know why, but those mer- those, those words seemed to melt through her. She simply ignored it and went back to listening to the lesson and falling asleep not too long after, of course. Later that day, she was headed to her locker for a fourth period when suddenly her boyfriend, Chris, approached her. Hey, uh, talk to me after school, all right? She smiled. She always loved talking to him. At the time, she didn't suspect anything. This was always so sweet to her. During her French class, Natalie failed to pay attention. Instead, she, jud- the do- instead, she doodled the things she loved the most. Blood, or people being stabbed and massacred, and macabre things of the sort. Other things would say it was pretty dark of her to draw such strange things, but she saw nothing wrong with it. For some strange reason, it felt normal to her. Miss Owlette. She quickly covered the doodles on her paper and looked up at her French teacher, quickly, trying to hide her fear. Uh, yes, Mr. Levisier. With a slight turn of his head, he gestured for her to move her arm. Show me your work. She hesitantly moved her arm, showing her teacher the picture of someone getting stabbed by an insane man. The teacher stared, puzzled, looking at her a bit. She she smiled nervously. Erase that and get started on your work, please. He said in a strangely calm voice. He walked away and she sighed and started to erase the picture. And Miss Owlette, Mr. Lavasseur interrupted, She looked at him slightly, time is almost work. I suggest doing it now. She growled at the remark. Time always seemed to be against her. As far as she was concerned, time could go fuck itself. After class, she walked outside the school to see her boyfriend standing near the fence of the sidewalk. She smiled and walked over hoping he had something to say that would cheer her up on this miserable day. But as she walked closer, her smile slowly faded. He wasn't smiling back. Chris, what's wrong? What'd you want to talk to me about? He sighed. Now, I think it's time we should start seeing other people. She felt her heart break. But Why? He responded with a stern look. It's your mindset. Your drawings. They just creep me out. I think there's really something wrong with you. And the saddest part is you haven't told me why you're acting like this. It makes me feel so irresponsible. So I just- I can't do this anymore. I'm sorry. And with that, he walked away. Natalie slammed her hands on the bathroom counter at home. She stared at herself in the mirror, her eye twitching. I won't hurt myself like the others. I'm not like that. I could stay strong. There was a needle and a black thread in her hand. It's pointless. It doesn't help. Some weird sensation pulled her subconscious. She chuckled slightly. No. I'm doing it because I want to. She held up the needle with thread on the end of it and smirked. After all, time is up. Piece after piece, cut after cut. Even though excruciating pain was going through her, she did not whine, she did not whimper, she did not cry. There were no more tears for her to shed. All she did was smile. Blood leaked from the pieces and made a slow, dripping noise to the sink and onto the counter. When she was finished, she stood back and admired her handiwork. She stroked her horrendous stitches on the side of her foot, which spread into a wide smile. She felt the warm, wet finger blood on her fingers and licked it gently consuming the metallic tasting liquid in pure ecstasy she stopped when she saw her mother's reflection in the mirror behind her and sharply turned around she saw her mother's wide eyes and pale face she looked at her fingers seeing the blood she suddenly felt the pain begin to cry mom? Natalie cried She never felt so confused. What did she just do? Her mother had scheduled some sort of therapy for her. Natalie had had gotten rid of the stitches, but did not try to hide the scars. In fear of how much pain it would bring, she would put them back in case it would bleed more. So she went to the session with them, but she made sure her hood was up. Not to let, not to let anyone see. She sat down on the comfortable leather seat and stared at the blonde woman, blossomer. So your name's Natalie, isn't it? Natalie nodded. I'm Deborah. I'm here to help. Tell me, Natalie, what have some of your problems been recently? Natalie stared at her. Time. Time has been my problem. Deborah gave a confused look. And what about time, dear? Natalie's hands roughly gripped the leather of the seat. Everything. It makes you live through it, slowly progressing through life being controlled by society, only to be tortured to seemingly no end until you no longer have a purpose. It's a vicious cycle. Time does not end. It does not slow down. It does not speed up. It is violent. Makes you live through the torture over and over again, unable to fast forward through any of it. Natalie didn't know where this came from. She couldn't really understand what she just said. She felt like she wasn't herself anymore. Could this be because of all the things she had kept contained? No, that was impossible. But for some reason, she liked it. The woman leaned in closer. Sweetheart, I want you to tell me what's happened to you. Natalie continued staring. There was a long pause. She smirked slightly, the wounds from her stitches opening slightly once again. Why don't you tell me, Blondie, you're the expert? Deborah appeared mildly annoyed. Natalie, dear, I can't help you unless you tell me what's wrong. Natalie's fingers started to tear into the leather. I don't think Natalie's here anymore. Deborah's eyes widened, but she kept a smile on her face and she rose to her feet. I'll be right back, sweetheart. Please stay here. She walked out, leaving Natalie alone. Maybe if she had done something at this point, she wouldn't have come to what she is today. Maybe more people would have been alive. Maybe she would be sane like she had been before. As much as I would love to say, Natalie got up from that chair and stopped what came next from happening. I am obligated to give you the horrid truth. Natalie did not move. She sat perfectly still in total silence and absolutely calm in that chair. After a while of waiting patient impatiently, her parents walked in. Natalie stood, happy to go, but she noticed her parents' expressions. Even her father had a strange, sad expression on her face. Her confusion grew, but she said nothing and followed them to the car. On the way, while she thought she was going back home, she started to drift off, thinking she was perfectly safe. Strangely, she heard a dark voice speak in her dream. More of a nightmare. The voice sounded like her own, echoing an internal abyss. this. Your time's up. She shot awake, some beads of sweat rolling down her face. She wasn't home, she wasn't in the car, she wasn't in a... In a room, she was in a bed. A white bed. In a white room. She looked to her side and realized she was hooked up to a heart monitor. She attempted to get up, but that's when she realized she was restrained. She panicked and began to struggle, but paused and she heard a door open to her left. A man in a white shirt looked at her, his hands behind his back. He resembled some of the cliched doctors he'd seen in a television program set in a scientific lab. She paid full attention as Mr. Scientist started to speak. I can only imagine how confused you must be right now, he said. But I'm letting you know we're only here to help. Your parents agreed to allow us to administer medication to you in hopes of helping your state of mind. Natalie opened your mouth to protest, but was quickly silenced. You don't need to worry, the doctor sought to assure her. You'll be back to normal in no time, just but relax. He walked over to her, and as he did, she tried to skittishly move away. He was unable to, due to the leather straps binding her wrists and legs. He carefully took a mask and put it over her mouth and nose. She tried stubbornly to get it off, but felt herself starting to slip under as the drugs kicked in. She slowly shut her eyes. Suddenly, Natalie woke up. She couldn't comprehend what she was seeing, she was given multiple injections and something was rubbed on her skin. She felt woozy but otherwise completely aware of her surroundings. She was entering a rare state patients sometimes find themselves in while undergoing surgery, which they are able to see as they are being worked on. In this state they could feel the pain and their brain is active, but they are unable to respond. Natalie, however, was able to. Her heart rate began to accelerate as reflected on the nearby monitor. The doctors took notice of this. They looked at her and took notice of her opened eyes. One of the doctors yelled at another and started a fight. Natalie couldn't make out what they were saying, but she suddenly felt a rush of adrenaline. Shaking violently, she started to slip out of her bonds. One of the doctors moved to hold her down. But then hesitated to do so. Natalie watched all three doctors back to news and she sat on the edge of the bed, and the IV tubes from her arm, and the mask on her face. She got to her feet and started to stumble towards them. Her breath hitched and her vision was blurry. She was vaguely aware, by then she was chuckling like a madman, but she couldn't stop. Suddenly she felt a searing pain in her chest, and she gripped it in agony, dropped to her knees, coughed up blood, fell prostrate on the floor, and blacked out. Natalie woke up groggily. Sometimes later, she found herself back in bed and a doctor sitting beside it. Sorry, Natalie, something went terribly wrong. Natalie didn't know why, but she felt a tremendous amount of hate towards the doctor. He took notice of her disgust and looked away instinctively. Uh, You weren't supposed to wake up while we were giving you the doses for your mental state, the doctor continued. You aren't sure how it affected you, but we have a feeling we're going to find out. He paused for a moment before taking out a small mirror. The entire time, he looked away from her. Uh, regrettably, the medication affected your appearance as well. Natalie looked at herself in the mirror, and her eyes widened. They were completely green. She noticed she had the stitches in her mouth as well. For some reason, she couldn't help but feel overjoyed. Her heart heart rate began to rise again. She gave a slow chuckle. The doctor looked on in shock at Natalie quickly moved towards him until she was close enough for him to feel a breathe. Doctor she began, still chuckling. He trembled slightly and pressed a button on the underside of the monitor. Uh yes, Miss Allet, he stammered in reply. Your time is up. A loud scream was heard through the halls of the facility. Two security guards rushed in the room, kicking the door open. Blood Blood was the first thing they all saw. Blood on the walls, on the bed, on the floor, the ceiling. Natalie had strapped the doctor to her bed. The bed was bent at a sharp angle and the doctor's spine was completely snapped. Blood poured from his eyes, nose, and mouth. There's no way he was alive. There in the corner was the murderer, happily drawing her gruesome pictures in the wall and... Alongside the hastily scrawled phrase your time is up Natalie slowly turned to look at the guards the wide crazy grin spread across her face friends you'd like to play too wouldn't you and with that Natalie began laughing uncontrollably guards quickly drew their guns but before they could act Natalie charged at one of them one of the guards fired around but Natalie was able to dodge it she grabbed a large knife from a sheath on the pocket slashed it across his waistline. Blood and organs flooded out and he collapsed to the ground. She inhaled deeply, deeply the da- inhaling the damp stench of death. The remaining guard, shook with fear, dropped his gun. She slowly walked up to him and placed the tip of the knife against his chest. Your time. Is up. She slowly slid the knife across his chest all the way to the end of his abdomen. His organs spilled out into the floor and he collapsed. Dead. Natalie's mother had been sleeping soundly in her room beside her husband. She awoke to the sound of knocking on her door. She gruggily got up and walked to the side of the bedroom to the front door. It was pouring outside and thunder boomed in the distance. She approached the door but paused before grabbing the knob. She detected a faint sound of insane laughter. The rain and thunder seemed to quiet down suddenly, and she pressed her ear against the door and listened closely. Hello, Mother. A voice from the other side called that. Natalie burst through the door, wielding two knives. Her mother stumbled back, hitting her head against a nearby coat rock. One of the hooks penetrated her skull, and she bled considerably from the resulting wound. She fell to the ground, paralyzed, but still conscious, lying in a pool of her own blood. Natalie towered over her and then knelt slowly to meet her mother at eye level and displayed her blood-soaked blades proudly. I was suffering, mother, Natalie cooed. She ran the tip of her knife across her mother's cheek, cutting it ever so slightly. Natalie tilted her head. But you, you did nothing. All her mother could do was shake and gasp like a fish out of water. Natalie grabbed her mother and gently laid her flat on the ground. From there, she straddled her and began cutting a V-shape into her chest. Her mother could only gasp and shake as life drained from her. She choked and gurgled, and her breaths became labored. Natalie didn't think she had much time left. She proceeded to forcibly open her mother's chest cavity with a loud crack, reached in and grabbed her mother, still beating heart with her bare hand. Its pulses were growing farther and farther apart. And with a tough grasp, She ripped it out, blood spraying all over her face. She stared at her mother's mother directly in the face as she took her final breaths. Sweet dreams, your time was up, she cooed to her mother's corpse. She put the heart in her mother's mouth, patted her cheek softly, and stood up. She knew she wasn't done yet. Natalie's father, David, had stirred awake and realized that his wife had not returned to bed yet. His eyes only adjusted to the darkness when he suddenly noticed Natalie standing at his bedside. His eyes had only adjusted when he noticed Natalie standing at his bedside, with a crazed smirk plastered on her face and newly green-tinted eyes glowing in the darkness. She was covered in blood, and the scent was unbearable. She frowned dramatically. Oh, I know. Mother's gone. I wonder who will get the money. Natalie jeered. She swiftly grabbed her father's forehead, laughing maniacally. Because that's all you ever cared about. Her father, unlike her mother, was a fighter. He sprung up and grabbed Natalie by the cheek and threw her to the ground. Started to stomp on her chest until she coughed up blood. And he stared down at her. Doesn't it feel good, daddy? She laughed in spite of the violence and coughed up more blood. After all, you never seemed to mind doing it all those years ago, did you? He narrowed his eyes. You aren't my daughter. A wider smirk spread across her face, and she peered at him with her luminous eyes, blood dripping from her mouth. You're right. I'm not. She suddenly tipped him, causing him to fall hard on the floor. She scrambled to her feet, knives in hand. And they say the bigger you are, the harder you fall. While he was winded, she grabbed a pillow and stuffed it into his face and then stomped on it. Harder and harder each time until loud cracking noises could be heard. While she finally pulled the pillow away, her father's face was gruesomely mutilated. He was making muffled noises and crying in agony. What's the matter, Daddy? Pain too much for you? She shoved both knives into his stomach and left them there. Then moved to rip one of the large, heavy wooden poles from the bed. She set it down on her father's legs and withdrew the knives. Then in these. She chuckled, and sat down upon the pool, laid on his legs. Suddenly, she started to rock back while sitting down. The weight from her body on the pool started to squeeze his innards through his body. He started to gag, blood poured from his mouth. His breath was silenced, and she hit a big of a snag. "Mm, Come on! She snarled as she forced herself to rock back with more weight. Suddenly, his organs burst out of his mouth. Nasty gore piled onto the floor of the sides of his face. She nodded to his carcass. She walked out. Your time was up, Daddy. Finally, this would be her favorite part. She quietly snuck to her brother's room, silently opening the door, blood dripping from her knife, her mouth, Making a low, tapping sound as the droplet hit the hardwood. Her brother wasn't in bed. It was apparent that he must be hidden somewhere. She grinned. Oh, brother, come on now. She started to walk inside. I just wanted to have a little fun. (laughs) She stepped in more. She listened closely for any sounds, any breathing, any moving. She even sniffed the air for his putrid scent. And the closer she listened, she finally got something. Faint, breathing noise. She fell to the ground, trembling. Her brother was behind her, with a now-bloody baseball bat. He was glaring down, with anger, panting, and rage. She tried to get up slowly, but he hit her again, and again, and again. Mother did always like you best, you bitch. He hit her hard one last time before taking a breather. She was bleeding heavily and her green eyes drooped and glowing faintly in the darkness. She felt weak and looked closer up at the ceiling. She recalled the day she spent there being tortured, having gone through it for so long. Look at that same damned ceiling sent a rush of energy and adrenaline through her body and she started to stand, laughing insanely. <laughs> oh, <Luke. laughs> the terrified brother went to hit her again, but she used both her knives to block it. You're going to hell, brother, I promise. With a large push, she sent her brother flying on the bed. He hit his head against the wall and growled angrily, about to launch it there. When she stabbed the two knives into his arms, keeping them pinned to the wall, he screamed and struggled rapidly. What can we use here? She started walking around the room and saw a simple butter knife on a plate on his bedside. She picked it up and walked over to him. Say the eyes are the softest organs on the body. She slowly licked the knife. Soft as butter. He looked in horror, trying to get away, and he closed his eyes, but she started to dig with the knife. He shrieked loudly, and she tried quickly, tied the cloth to his mouth. Now, we can't have you waking the neighbors. He wasn't able to see anything. The pain was unbearable, and blood leaked violently from his eye sockets. He would cry, but now he was incapable. Hmm... She dug around for more items, picking up the pair of scissors from his desk. She walked over to him, crawling over him. I think you need to cut loose, brother. She stabbed the scissors into his gut and he cried out in a muffled scream of pain. She treated him like arts and crafts, cutting through his skin like paper. She lifted up his large intestine and smirked wildly. You know what I love? Macaroni. She started to cut the intestines into sections. Uh, these might be a little too long to put on a plate, though. She could hear his brother foaming blood from his mouth, Whoever you had to swallow the blood back. Doesn't it taste good? She licked his blood off of her fingers. I sure know I like it. He let out another muffled scream. She went down to his toes and started cracking them, cutting them off. One by one, after a while, the screams grew futile. His throat was raw and bloody by now. Next, she worked on the fingers, snapping them and ripping them and cutting them off. The gurgling became louder and louder. He started to squirm. He was choking on his own blood. She pulled the cloth down and the blood poured from his mouth. He turned his head to the side and vomited violently. There, there, brother. Eat this and feel better. She stuffed one of his fingers in his mouth, making it jam to his throat. He choked, and after a while, slowly died. The girl, once known as Natalie, walked into a room, dripping blood. Off to the corner, she saw it, her stuffed giraffe. She knelt down, stared at it, and without a word, she stood back up, walked into the bathroom staring at herself covered in blood. The faint ticking was bothering her. She looked around in the drawers until she found a pocket watch. She stared at its hands, slowly turning, listening to the ticking for what seemed to be an eternity. She took out one of her now red knives as it heavily dripped blood onto the counter. She grabbed the pocket watch and disassembled so only I mean, a small clock was left. Time makes you live through the torture. She said, slowly bringing the knife to her eye. Slowly progressing through life, being controlled by society. She started to slowly dig it into her eyes. The vision in her left eye grew blurry and red. Until you find you have no longer a purpose. She felt her eye become free from its socket, blood pouring into the sink. It's a vicious circle. She felt it dangle out of her socket, the sharp pain where it was connecting in her head. It does not speed up. It does not slow down. It is violent. She grabbed onto the core of her eye and tore it right off, the eye falling into her sink. It makes you live through the torture over and over again. Tried to place the clock in her eye socket. Until it's unable to fast forward away from it. There was a squishing sound and drips of blood. It seemed like the clock fit perfectly in her socket. I am clockwork. The young 16-year-old girl formerly known as Natalie walked away from her burning house. The flames engulfed everything. And inside, the giraffe slowly burned along with the carcasses of her family. Some say she still lives on, carrying her insanity with her. Leaving so many dead, saying she decided when their time should come to an end. The only way to detect her presence is if you're cuddled close in the covers at knives sleeping soundly, but in the darkness she watches, she determines. You hear ticking, you see a green flash, that putrid clock eye. She is there. Just know, your time is up. Wow, that was a lot longer than I expected. Okay. Hello, it's Archer. Um, I thought that was a cool story. And yes, I did cut out some parts from the original story. Personally, they made me uncomfortable, and I thought it would make a few, a lot of other people uncomfortable. So, if you want to read the original one, I'll probably put it somewhere. Um, can subscribe to my YouTube channels. Um, uh, follow my Twitch. Um, uh, something random, something random, one two eight nine, and the Sabred Chronicles. Uh, So, if you enjoyed that, uh, I had fun. It took a long time, though, and I messed up so many times. And I am perfectly fine with that, because this is only my second one, and I hope there are more in the future. Bye-bye!